Hi, and welcome to the Conscious Leadership Podcast. I'm Jen Thurman. Today I want to start with a question. Do you know what it takes for you to thrive? What does it even mean to thrive? One literal definition is to grow or develop well, vigorously, and secondarily, to prosper or flourish. Sounds great, right? It sounds even better when juxtaposed with a definition for survive, which is to continue to live or exist, especially in times of danger or hardship. In the past few weeks, this topic has come up a lot with my clients. Very often in our busy lives with the frenetic demands of work, family, school, kids' activities, caring for aging parents, household chores, bills, you name it, we start to feel like we're just getting by holding on by our fingernails at times to the tail of the jumbo jet of life rumbling down the runway. Quite often, when I ask people how they are, they'll take a deep breath and think about it for a half a second and say, I'm okay, or I'm doing all right. And when I say, just okay, or what does all right mean? They say, you know, I'm hanging in there, or things have been really stressful lately, but I'm surviving. As if this is all anyone can ask, especially these days. And here I want to put in my asterisks. I acknowledge there's a dynamic in this pandemic time that definitely impacts our experience of survival and our ability to feel like we're thriving. I read an article this week that equated all of us to caged tigers. It's harder to feel like we're growing, prospering, or succeeding right now. But for me, this makes it even more important to understand the difference between survival and thriving. And it's a great time to get creative about new ways in which we can focus raising our frequency to continue to grow even under incredibly challenging circumstances. So when I begin to challenge my clients to consider their conditions to thrive, the usual, they usually start with the most immediate physical sensations that they are maybe missing. I call this category of conditions self-care. When I first began coaching, I skipped over this area of inquiry with a lot of my clients, assuming, wrongly, that since they were high-achieving, successful leaders, that they had already had this area of their lives pretty well ironed out. What I began to understand is that often this is the first thing to go under times of stress or with schedule conflicts. That even for some highly successful executives, Rachel Hollis's Girl Wash Your Face book was still relevant. Not that their hygiene was suffering, but that their personal finances might have been neglected, or the state of their offices looked like a tornado had rolled through recently. And certainly more often than not, physical activity, optimal nutrition, and a moderated relationship with alcohol were precarious. Self-care is more than having a massage once a week. It's not an indulgence. Self-care isn't even the discipline to work out on a regular basis. It's injecting supportive practices into your physical space. A neat and orderly office or home, a physically fit and nourished body, these are all important for self-care. I can't remember who said it, I tend to want to give Will Smith credit for most of the pithy memes that I actually remember. 
But I loved this saying that I saw this last week, and it went something like, staying ready means I don't have to get ready. When your physical space is orderly and controlled, you can have more space and freedom in your mind. And obviously, the support of movement and nutrition in your life has a tremendous impact on your energy, your agility, and your readiness. Whether it's walking 30 minutes a day or training for a marathon, yoga twice a week, or 25 push-ups in the morning, your body deserves to be treated like the beloved companion it is. So how are you treating yours? The second category of, of thriving, conditions to thrive, I call curiosity and exploration. Our ability to explore and change our scenery is extremely limited right now. And that's why so many of us feel like caged tigers. Even the most homebodied of homebodies want to at least know they can leave the house if they want to. And for those of us, I'm particularly thinking of a unicorn named Laura that I met on my trip to Tanzania, Botswana, and South Africa last year. For many of us who crave adventure, this pandemic situation is crushing. But there are ways to continue to be curious and to explore. I'm hearing Julie Andrews as Maria in The Sound of Music in my head right now. And she's saying, when the Lord closes a door, somewhere he opens a window. The fact is that the resurgence of the yet unfinished civil rights movement is coming at a time when we have no excuse but to educate ourselves. The first thing we've been asked to do is be curious, to learn, to do our research and change our own minds. What better time to explore our own thoughts, prejudices, privilege, and worldview? Curiosity and exploration are vital to our ability to continue to grow, evolve, and improve as we mature. My grandmother, we called her Awesome Grandma, because one of my little nephews got confused early on and, and confused Great Grandma with Awesome. How cute is that? And it fit her perfectly. By all accounts, my Awesome Grandma wasn't always so awesome. But as she grew older and continued to take on new perspectives travel around the world, free herself from booze through recovery, she began to focus on others. At the end of her long and productive career, she was volunteering as a guardian ad litem, an advocate for neglected or abused children in the legal system in Florida. Her curiosity and exploration shifted her worldview, and in her later years, she began not only to survive, but thrive. And with that, so many others benefited from her generosity, wisdom, and direction. So how will you create conditions for curiosity and exploration? The next category I present is connection. Look, love makes the world go round. That's just truth with a capital T. We need to belong. We need to share our experiences and to quote the Beatles, in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. So connection and community are actually conditions for survival at some level. But they say, not the Beatles, the mysterious capital T, they, they say that you are the sum of the three people you spend the most time with. I'm not all that convinced by the arithmetic here, but I do know that the people we give and receive energy to and from have a huge impact on our frequencies, on our attitudes, and on our belief in possibility. 
If you're hanging around people who feel slighted by life, you're going to find it difficult to feel like the universe has your back. If you're connecting with people who are resonating at higher frequencies, who expect success, who seek opportunities, who crave creative input and love synthesizing new and helpful ideas, it's going to be hard not to entrain your energy to that higher frequency. I make it a point to seek out inspiring, successful, loving people. Granted, as an introvert, I find this daunting sometimes. But the good news is, the more you up-level the frequency of your companions, the easier it becomes to meet more people at that frequency. So how will you create connection in your life? Finally, the category of solitude or spirituality. The flip side of connection with others is the connection to ourselves and our spirituality or our faith. This is the time to do the inner work, which in my mind is way more important and foundational than to do the lists and Gantt charts of our outer work tasks. My foundation is mindfulness, soulful connection, and a study of the unknown as I continue to search for a connection to something greater. I grew up in the Lutheran tradition, and that still feels like going home in some ways. The liturgy, the hymns, the creeds, the rituals. I don't practice or worship regularly these days. That said, that sacred space, the holy moments of connection with something greater and more than I believe I am alone, those are still vitally important to me. I'm not going to tell anyone how to engage in their faith, spirituality, prayer, or meditation, but I do know that there is something sacred and holy about quieting your mind, expanding to the possibility that there's more here than meets the eye, that searching for a spiritual answer is part of most human experience, and to honor that, hold space for it, and nurture a sense of wonder about the questions of our existence, that is the ultimate in creative and inspiring endeavors. So, if you remember nothing else about this podcast, I hope you'll at least remember these categories of consideration when you're recognizing and cultivating your own conditions to thrive. Number one, self-care. Creating the right physical conditions for you to be ready rather than to get ready. Number two, curiosity and exploration. Adventure in the world or adventures in the mind. They can both be freeing and sources of creative input. Connection. Love and belonging. Check. But also inspiration and ever-increasing frequency. And finally, number four, solitude and spirituality. Doing the inner work. Maintaining the holy and sacred space for your own continued inner work and journey. I would really love to hear your lists. What are your conditions to thrive? You can find more from me at jenthurman.com or get in touch on Instagram at jennafiercest. Thanks for listening and be well.